Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hey, my name is Ben and I'm one of the pastors here at Elevation Church and uh, you've joined us with the first week of our new series. So you have chosen a fantastic week to join us. Uh, but if you haven't met me, uh, please come out to the Welcome Lounge after the service. I'd love to get to know you, uh, know how our church can best serve you, but would also love to shout you a free drink. So come on church, let's give our guests a, a warm welcome. So through this series, we are going to be talking about all things relationships. Uh, obviously today, I am preaching, uh, but next week we have our, our lead pastor, Pastor Miles, down with us to, to bring the word next week. And then the week after, we have our Pastor Sam and Pastor Sonny with us from our young adults community. They're going to be bringing the word. Uh, they're not doing a tag team. They're actually doing two separate preachers, but they're going to be shorter. Uh, but on the same day, both morning and night, because here at Elevation Church, we believe at, uh, in raising up the next. We believe in raising up the next Christians, raising up the next leaders, raising up the next pastors, the next communicators, the next preachers, the next teachers, the next politicians. We believe in raising up the next. So that's what uh, that's what's going to happen in uh, two weeks. And then the last week, our lead pastor is back down with us to close out our series, Genuine. And today I thought, what better way to start a series on relationship then talk about unfriending, unfriending people. I was like, you know what? We, we need to do more deep community unfriending, right? Uh, but this series, it, it came out of uh, uh, our two focuses this year. Uh, number one is to encounter God. That's, uh, so we've just come out of a series on worship. Uh, in November, we'll be going into a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, but our other focus is deep community, Deep community, and that is where this series wow, was birthed from. And when we say deep community, we don't mean necessarily mean more. We don't necessarily mean more friends, more relationship, more community, more whatever. It's deeper. It's deeper community, deeper relationships, deeper friendships, being able to take that next step deeper into our relationships. And as I said, today we are talking about un. Friending. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The title of my message today is, Who is in your fire? Who is in your fire? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are here. I pray that as I speak, that, that you speak. You speak through me. You tell me uh, what to say, what not to say. You, you, you start and you stop my speech. I pray that the words are, do not fall on deaf ears, but Lord, have your way here today. Lord, I pray that you just uh, translate what needs to be translated and uh, quieten what needs to quieten. I pray for transformed hearts today and an encounter with the living God. And all the saints said, Amen. So unfriending. Like if you were still on Facebook, who is actually still on Facebook? Yeah, kind of. I'm still on Facebook, but I'm, I'm using it for like the groups that I'm a part of, which is actually why it was originally created. So, you know, full circle. Um, 
but I, I, yeah, so if you're on Facebook, you probably, or Instagram, you probably have that overzealous friend who just posts a lot, right? They're just posting all the time and you just kind of want to hush them. So you, 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 you can unfollow them, you can take them away from your feed, but somehow they still make their way into your feed. And it just is like, come on, man, I've had enough. So what you've got to do is you've got to click that unfriend button, yeah. right? But you don't actually want to unfriend them, but to remove them from your Facebook feed, you've got to unfriend them. And we also are living in this uh, a cancel culture where it's actually incredibly easy to, to cancel people, to, to remove people from your life, that if you don't agree with someone or if they don't agree with you, which Pastor Sanji was talking about before, we, we just cancel them. Nope, I don't want to talk to you. This is not how we're going to live. And in, in today's day, we are living in the most connected world. I've, like in the past couple of weeks, I've talked to people in England, talked to people in America, talked to people in New Zealand at the blink of an eye. Yet we are also living in a generation where we are feeling the most lonely. So how are we meant to, in this hyper-connected world, not feel lonely, right? Jesus Oh, well, sorry, I feel that this unfriending, this cancel culture, this hyper-connectedness has actually downplayed the, the importance of real deep relationships. It's downplayed it and not only downplayed it, it's confused us to understand when we need to unfriend someone or even how we are to redefine our relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about today, redefining our relationships. See, Jesus, He was a friend of sinners, yet He had His 12. He said, love everyone, but make sure you've got your guard up. So how are we meant to love everyone, but also Make sure that they're not influencing us. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And for Christians, as Christians, I believe that redefining relationships is essential uh, in different seasons in our life to continue following God the way He has called us to. So if you are taking notes today, my first point is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. They say that you are the average of your close, uh, five closest friends. Everyone right now is probably thinking, yep, yep, uh, oi. That's all right, <laughs> right? You are the average of your five closest friends, right? So are these friends the ones that are, are they, they, they pulling you up? Are they, are they calling you to be greater than what you are? Or are they holding you back? Are they, are they maybe not the people that you should be hanging around with or people that you want to be like? Dr. Dave McClelland says that the people that you habitually associate with will determine up to 95% of your success and failure. 95%. I don't know about you, but that number is just far too much for me to make random friends with random people. Like I know for me, when I jumped on Facebook as a young person, I just was like, I want, I want to get over that 1,000 mark. I just want to, I want to hear 1,000 friends. It's going to be awesome. How, look how good it's going to be for me, 1,000 friends. Uh, but now I'm definitely not that way. But so my friend requests are like piling up, yet I don't have the heart to actually say no. So now my, my friend request is probably bigger than my friend list. It's, it's a weird thing. Anyway, but we, 
we are, our friends that we habitually associate with will determine 95% of our success and failure. But this is not a new thing. This is not something that they've just found out in the past couple of years. This is something God has been talking about for thousands of years. In Proverbs 12, 26, it says, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Associate with the wise, you'll become wiser. Associate with the wicked, you'll be led astray. And I think one great example of this is the story of King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab. So after Solomon, he was the, he was the last king of the United Kingdom, not London, the United Kingdom of Israel. Uh, and then after he died, the kingdoms were torn in two. We had the Northern Kingdom of Israel and the Southern Kingdom of Judah. Uh, and King Ahab was the king of the Northern Kingdom. And then King Jehoshaphat was the king of the Southern Kingdom. And King Jehoshaphat, he was a great king. He was a great man. We find a description of him in 2 Chronicles 17.3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but, bought, uh, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Jehoshaphat was a good man. He was a great man. He was a man like David. So he was a man after God's own heart. He was a good man. Yet in the northern kingdom, we have this king, King Ahab. And in 1 Kings 16, it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. He wasn't just evil. He was the most evil. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. King Ahab was a wicked king. He was the worst king. It wasn't just that he was bad. He did the most bad. And it wasn't that he, it was easy. It was his nature. It was his character to be wicked. And if you haven't heard of Jehoshaphat, if you haven't heard of Ahab, you've probably heard of Jezebel. That was King Ahab's wife. So King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat were two polar opposite kings. One loved God, sought God, was trying to get their kingdom to, to, do, to do the same. And then the other was just the complete opposite. So how do we find in 2 Chronicles 18, these two opposing kings aligning themselves with each other? How do we find them coming into an alliance and an allegiance with each other and fighting the same battle? In 2, uh, 2 Chronicles 18.1, it says, King Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Jehoshaphat went out of his way to align himself with this wicked king. He chose to make an alliance. He chose to make an allegiance. He didn't even make, just make an allegiance. He made a covenant with Ahab. He gave his son to marry Ahab's daughter. His grandkids would become Ahab's grandkids. So he made an alliance. It says in the next verse that he was the one that went to Israel. He went to Israel to seek out Ahab. This amazing, great king, just like David, went and sought out this wicked king. And this, uh, this bad decision, this bad choice led to a, a 
pattern of bad choices. So they entered into this war that you can read in 2 Chronicles 18. And thankfully, Jehoshaphat didn't die, but Ahab did die. But from this one choice, he then had to suffer the consequences. This war that he didn't have to be a part of, he chose to be a part of, then caused him to be a part of more wars. He then didn't just drag himself into the presence of wickedness. He then dragged his nation into the presence of wickedness. So it was time and time again of bad decisions. And then not only that, his nation, Judah, the moral conduct was in decline. They used to worship God alone, and then they started again worshiping the pagan idols, the, the false gods of their neighboring countries. Even above that, after Ahab had died, King Jehoshaphat decided to make another alliance with another wicked king. It was time and time again that he just made these bad decisions, and it all can be taken back to this one choice he made to align himself with a wicked king. But then... In Daniel, we find these other three men, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not Abednego, Abednego, right? As Australians, we like to say Bendigo, but it's Abednego. So we find these three men, uh, they were exiled from Israel. They were taken to Babylon. Uh, a lot of Israel, were ta- a lot of Judas, sorry, were taken to Babylon to become slaves. And because these uh, men were young and strong and fit, they were then placed into the king's house to be slaves. Uh, And then they were in a foreign land, a foreign culture, and they were forced to change their values. But they didn't. They had each other. They didn't change their values. And because they didn't change their values, they find themselves being placed into the fiery furnace. Uh, Most of us would probably know this story. Uh, They were placed into the fiery furnace, but then thankfully, they didn't die. They didn't get hurt. Nothing happened to them. And then in verse 28 of Daniel 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. They held on to their faith. They held on to each other and therefore they were championed. They they didn't take the wrong path and go down and become like Jehoshaphat. No, no, no. They held on and they were championed. Not only were they championed, in verse 30 it says, then the king promoted Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They weren't just thrown in the fire. They survived the fire. They then were taken out of the fire, championed because of what they had made a choice to do, and then they were promoted. And it was because of the people they were having around them. See, Sadrach wasn't just like, oh, you know what, you two go in the fire, I'm going to go do this thing. No, no, they all said, you know what, does It doesn't matter. If you're in it, I'm in it. And because if you're in it and I'm in it, I know our God's going to be in it too. And so that's what we see. So we see King Jehoshaphat going and aligning himself with an opposing king and Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aligning themselves with people of the same value. Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Second point, it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong Friends, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. See, it's not just that 
when you are around uh, bad influences that you'll be a different person around them, it's that as you continually spend time with them, the person that you are around them will be the person you will always be. That's what it was with Jehoshaphat. He made one wrong decision to align himself with Ahab, but then Ahab died. He had a choice to, to unalign himself, but he didn't because bad company ruined his character, ruined his morals, and he made another alliance with another wicked king. See, for me, uh, before uh, me and my wife were pastors, uh, we were in a band. Uh, we, we were going to church, but realistically, we weren't really at church that often because most weekends we were in another state, in another city, playing gigs, doing that fun stuff, right? And it was really hard for us to, to keep close friends, to keep deep relationship, to keep people close to us that uh, can push us forward in life. So we just ended up hanging out with the people that we were gigging with, people that we were touring with, people that were coming to our shows. That's just who was around us all the time. So that's who we were friends with. And I just remember this one time, me and uh, my best friend, who's not a Christian, we went to a bachelor party and... Like it was six hours away, I didn't drive, and the like it got wild in the bus. And I was just like, I, this is not where I need to be. I am not okay, but I'm not driving, so I am stuck here, right? So I was going, and I was like, I'm not okay. I don't want to be here. The first night, it just, my innocence was realistically gone. I was like, I, I learned a lot of things that I was like, I never needed to know this, but after the first night, I was like, I want to go home. I can't go home. It's all right. I'm just going to keep to myself. Uh, but the next day, uh, I was talking to the other guys because, you know, they had recovered. And um, they were like, oh, I-, I get that you've got your morals and your values, but if you just join in, it'll be easier. If you just, if you just do what we're doing, it- you won't feel as awkward. And I was like, nah, not going to happen. But what I had done was I'd play, yeah, no, don't clap yet. I had placed myself, <laughs> I had placed myself in the company of bad company. And they got wild. I definitely did not get as wild as that. that was, but I did compromise. I compromised on my values and I, and I did not like, uh, I, I was not okay with what I had done. So I had gone home and I decided to redefine those relationships. I didn't chuck them out. I didn't say, you know what, you're bad. See you later. No, no, I, I still was friends with them. I still loved them, but I redefined what I allowed them to speak into my life. I redefined what, what it was for them to speak to me. Because, and I don't know how if it, it might come into your life, but if you are hanging out with friends that are, you know, using their lunch breaks to rob banks or maybe a part of organized crime or maybe cooking meth in their toilet and taking it to the collision room next week. Maybe unfriend them. Maybe those people are the people you need to unfriend. And you know what? If that's you here today, I'm so glad you're here. But for most of us, that's just not the case, right? We don't have to actually unfriend these people. What we have to do is we have to redefine our relationships and allow, to allow people to speak the right things into our life so we can have God-honoring conversations. See, we might have people in our life that are controlling, that whenever you're around them, they just get you to do what they want to do. 
It might be because of something in you, it might be because of something in them. You might have that friend who's just hyper negative. Every time you're around them, you just feel negative. You feel bleak and that, that is spilling out into your life. You might have some people in your life that just tempt you to do the wrong thing, causing you to be less than what God has called you to be. Maybe introducing values into your life that are uh, the opposite of God's values. These are the relationships that we need to redefine. So I'm going to give us three points. The first two points are about what to look for in a good friend. And the last point is about what you'll need to do. So number one, real friends won't distract you from God's plan. It doesn't matter how good intention they are. It doesn't matter if they are a Christian or not a Christian. It doesn't matter how much they, they, they love you. If they are going to distract you from God's plans, your relationship needs to be redefined. And we see that with Peter and Jesus. In uh, Matthew 16, Jesus is, is saying, I need to die for the sins of the world. I need to pay the price and I need to resurrect because I'm going to be king and I'm going to be glorified and it's all going to be good because you're going to have life, life abundant and life eternal. And then Peter pops up and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't. Like, you'll need to be king. How are you going to be king if you die? So just don't die. Let's fight and we'll just make you king and you're going to save us. Right? Like, logically, I get it. Right? You need to be king. You need to be alive. Makes sense, right? But for, for, for Peter, he just was not thinking the right way. And we see in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus' reply, uh, verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. If you want to redefine your friendship, call your friend Satan. Because <laughs> they'll do it for you. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. See, in that moment, Jesus wasn't cutting Peter off. Peter, he, he's, he is, he's still a friend of Jesus. He still loves Jesus. He goes on to be an, a great apostle in the early church for Jesus Christ. No, no, no. What Jesus is saying is like, I will not allow you to speak into that. He was redefining the friendship. He's like, you don't speak into that because, because you don't have the right things on your mind. And that's what he says. He says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of Man, some of our friends have their mindset on the things of man and we need to have our mindset on the things of God. We might have some friends that when we want to go to church every week, they're like, again? You just went last Sunday. Hey, like you got to do it again? Like what, what happened in the week that you need to go, go again? Life group again? You, you just went two weeks ago. Why do you need to go to life group again? What, the monthly prayer night is around again? Like, didn't you pray yesterday? Why do you need to pray together? Their mind is not set on the things of God, but on the things of man. And those relationships need to be redefined. Maybe you as a Christian, you just feel you need to be more generous, more releasing of your, your money. But the friends that you associate with are super real, uh, materialistic. And they're always thinking, what's the next thing I can buy? What's the next car I can buy? What's the next watch I can buy? What's the next pair of sneakers I can buy? What's the next thing I can buy for myself? Because I need more. And then you find yourself, when you're, you're speaking to them, you're hanging out with them, that instead of being generous, you become materialistic. Or maybe you have self-focused friends that every decision they make is always based around, what do I get out of this? 
How does this affect me? How does this make me feel? They're not asking questions like, how does this glorify God? How does this worship God? What does God think of this? How is this going to change my relationship with, my, with God? We need to have our minds set on the things of God and, we, and real friends won't distract you from God's plan. And number two, real friends won't continually tempt you to sin. In 2 Timothy 2.22, a lot of twos, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue righteousness and flee temptation. Don't hang around, flee it. But I'm, you know, I'm just flirting to convert. You know, I'm just, it's not that bad, right? Like everybody needs Jesus. I'm not doing that, so it's fine, right? Well, yeah, not yet. Flee it. And we see that in Genesis 39 with, uh, with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled. He got up and out of that house. He ran naked because he was fleeing. He wasn't going to hang around and say, maybe she just needs some prayer. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe something's going on in a marriage and I just need to hang out and just, you know, just be there for her. Oh, maybe I, maybe I just need to, she, I just need to, she needs someone to listen to. No, he got up and ran. He got out of that house because we need to flee temptation. And I'm just going to talk to the men for a second. I get it. It's hard to make and build deep relationships. My, my story before, like that is what it was about. Like I, I didn't know how or I wasn't able to, to make deep relationships because for most of us, our, our, if we are fathers especially or, or husbands, our focus is I need to provide for my family and then the time I got left, I got to spend with my family, which is 100% correct. But we also need to make deep relationships because what will end up happening is we'll just be friends with whoever's in front of us, whoever we're hanging out with. Maybe it's a work colleague because you're spending maybe 40 hours a week with them Research shows that it only takes 17 hours a week to develop deep relationship and you're spending over twice as much time with them. So you're, you're spending all this time with maybe this one guy and you, you get it closer, you're making deeper relationship and then you, you start venting to him. You start venting, you're like, oh, this is what's going on at home. My wife is doing this or is not doing this. And his response is, get a divorce. It'll be easier, Right? Or, well, if she's not doing that, just watch porn. Everybody's doing it. It's not that bad. Or maybe you're part of a, a sports team where you're the only Christian. And, and when they win, they, they go out and celebrate. And you don't really want to celebrate the way they're celebrating, but you feel awkward. So you're like, I'm just going to be there. I've got to be part of the team. But as you're there with them, you just you start celebrating the same way as they are. And your values are compromised. It's because we need to be intentional with our friendships. And if there are relationships, friendships that are distracting you from God's plan, that are, are causing you to sin, attempting you to sin, we need to redefine those relationships. We need to redefine them because we meet friends by chance, but we deepen them by choice. We, can, we will meet people every single day of our life, but we'll make a choice to deepen those relationships.
So we need to redefine the proximity of other people's influence to ourselves. So those are the first two. And uh, point number three, as the band comes, don't stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. Don't stop. That's what God has called us to, to, to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. But that doesn't mean we have to love everybody equally. It means we have to love them, but we don't have to love everybody equally. See, Jesus, he had his 12. He, has, he had his 12 chosen. Those were his boys, right? He had his 12. And then in Luke 10, he also had his 72 that he sent out. But then he was also a friend of sinners. But he defined those relationships to not allow them to speak into his life, but he was able to speak into their life. And then the Pharisees, he kept those guys as far away as possible. He was like, I'm just, you stay over there. I'm going to go over here. Love you. Stay over there. But even within his 12, Jesus had his three. He had his three closest mates that he did more life with than the other nine. And these are the ones that, that he went up, to, up the mountain to, to meet with God with. Uh, they're the ones that he, he probably confided with. So he had his three, his 12, his 72, the sinners and the Pharisees. He had degrees of proximity to his presence. But he loved everyone. He loved everyone. And this is what we see in John 13. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you you are also to love one another. And how did Jesus love everybody? Before we could love Him, He died on the cross to pay the price that we could not pay. That's what we were remembering before when we did communion. He loved us so much that He died for us to take away the sin of the world. And He said, just like I love you, you love the world the same way. Because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And by your love, you will show who you truly are on the inside. We don't have to love everyone equally. We don't have to have every single person over our house. We don't have to invite everybody to our parties. But we do have to love every single person person because that's what Jesus did and that is what He is calling us to do. So who are your five in the fire? Who are your five closest friends that you are going to be in the fire with, that you are going to do life with, that you are going to become the average of? Who are the men or women that are going to push you to be better, that are going to, to raise you up, that are going to champion you, that are, that are going to maybe correct you or rebuke you when you need to do it, but they're going to show you how to walk in the faith and grow in your love with God? Who are your five? But the thing with Jesus he had all these degrees of proximity, but the one relationship he never changed was his one with his father. That was the one relationship that he said, there is nothing you can do that I'm going to change this. He would draw lines in the sand, literally draw lines in the sand and say, I'm going to spend time with my father. And we see that in Daniel. We see that in Daniel 3 verse 25. 
And then Nebuchadnezzar, he answered and he said, But I see four men unbound, not three, but four, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the Son of the gods. It was Jesus in the fire. We don't just need our five, we need our one. We need our one in the fire with us. Because the reason that we redefine our relationships is to pursue Jesus. That is why we, why we redefine our relationships, is to pursue Jesus, to go after Jesus, to be able to focus on Jesus, to not have things distract us, to not have things tempt us. So we are able to love everyone the way that God has loved us. This is why we redefine our relationships. And for some of you here today, maybe that's the relationship that you need to redefine. Maybe you don't know this Jesus, this God that he, he, he came down on earth, He put on flesh, He lived the same life as you and I, and He died for our sins. Before you loved Him, He loved you. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sin. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you're far from this Jesus. Maybe you, you've once been in a relationship to him, in relationship with him, but you've just said, "You know what? I've had enough." And I, you know what? Sometimes there, there are reasons because of that. But today, Jesus is calling you home. Jesus is calling you back into His relationship, back into His presence, because that is why He came. He came to save. And so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with His presence. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to, if that is you, I'm going to ask you to boldly raise your hands, but with all eyes closed. If that is you, if the relationship that you need to redefine is your one with Jesus, the one that says, I believe that you are Savior. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you came down on earth to pay the price for my sin. And now if I say, yes, I will be set free because who the Son sets free is free indeed. With all eyes closed, if that's you, if you want to start this relationship with Jesus, if you, if you want to, to know more about this Jesus who, who loves you, so I just ask you to boldly raise your hand right now so I know who we're praying with. As I just look around the room, I'm just going to give it a couple more moments. If that's you, that you may need to redefine this relationship with Jesus. Just raise your hand. There, if you feel it, a little tug in your chest or maybe your heart is just beating faster than normal, that's Jesus calling you home. That's Jesus saying it's time to come back into a relationship with me. And it's not, it's not that you are putting your hand up, but you are making a decision. So you don't have to put your hand up, but I do ask that you boldly raise your hand. All right, let me pray. Lord, I just pray for every single person in this room that you know where their heart is. You know where their relationships are. You know exactly where they are. And that's where you meet them, where they're at. We don't have to change to be loved by you, but you meet us where we are. We just thank you for every person that is in this room. We thank you for what you have done on the cross. And we pray that you just guide us as we go into our week.
to be able to redefine relationships and to to seek and focus on the name of Jesus. And all the saints said, Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus.